This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. We're talking Mets baseball today, and we're bringing in Mets reporter for MLB.com, Anthony Ducomo. Anthony, the Babe Ruth of Japan, Shohei Otani, is the talk of the GM meetings. A few things need to happen, obviously, before he is able to step onto a major league field. But what did Sandy Alderson say about the idea of potentially adding a two-way player to their roster? Well, he essentially said, uh, you know, any team in baseball at this point in the process, because no one knows exactly how it's going to play out with Shohei Otani. Uh, so any team in baseball, you know, should be interested and should have at least some interest. Uh, and, and the Mets do, of course. He's a dynamic two-way player, as you said. Even if you look at him only as a pitcher, he's, you know, a potential superstar. He's potentially one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher ever to come over from Japan. He's still very young in his early 20s, and he could be a, a boon for any franchise. Now, all that being said, uh, it is extraordinarily unlikely that the Mets actually uh, wind up with him. They, Despite the fact that he will come at a lower price tag due to the posting system, uh, the Mets don't have the international pool money to spend on him. So uh, Otani would have to take even more of a salary cut than, than the millions and millions he already is to come over here in the first place. Uh, and, you know, he, he would have to decide that this is absolutely the place that I want to be, uh, not just New York, but the New York Mets. Uh, and I'm not saying that can't happen. I'm just saying it's very, very unlikely. But as for now, and we're in the very opening stages of this, yes, the Mets are not dismissing it as a possibility. They do have uh, certainly some interest in, in landing him. They're at least open to the idea of pursuing him. All right, that sounds good. We can take that for now. Another big name being talked about this week at the GM meetings is obviously Giancarlo Stanton and where he potentially could end up in a trade. He reportedly wants to go to a contender when the Mets are healthy. They absolutely fit into that category. What are the chances the Mets land Giancarlo Stanton? Uh, 0.00001%. Okay, well, let me ask you, why <laughs> wouldn't the Mets be in on the reigning home run champ? For just about every reason. They, they don't have the budget to pay for his salary. They don't have the players that, that would be required to trade for him. Uh, they just cannot compete on any level for his services. Man, you are making Mets fans really depressed right now. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sorry, but it's the truth. There are teams out there that are, are certainly more well-heeled than the Mets and could afford to eat that kind of salary, and there are uh, I would say at least 20, 25 teams that have better farm systems than the Mets and could put together a package. The Mets really have almost nothing in their farm right now that could tempt another team uh, into trading a, a big player for them. So there's just it's just not even something that, that you could realistically talk about. Yeah, I hear you. There's a lot that goes into Giancarlo Stanton. That big contract is definitely one of them. Let's talk about a name that the Mets could potentially bring in. Carlos Santana is somebody that they have reportedly spoken to or at least to his agent. How do they view Santana, and what would that potentially mean for Dominic Smith at first base? Yeah, this is an interesting one uh, because the Mets – 
Sandy Alderson has been pretty clear in saying, you know, Don Smith did not win himself the first base job in the two months that he was up uh, last season, and rightfully so. He, he hit under 200. Uh, he did show some power, but he was actually quite bad defensively, which is the opposite of what the scouting report had been on him, uh, and, and really just by and large did not distinguish himself. So the Mets are not going into spring training saying Don Smith is our first baseman, uh, which means they need a first baseman, and that could take one of two forms. It could be sort of a part-time player or a player who you know, maybe will play a little outfield. Uh, with Michael Conforto, we're not sure what his status is coming back from surgery. One of those hybrid first-base outfield types that could do a little of both. Uh, or, you know, it could be the form of a full-time first baseman, just such as Carlos Santana, in which case uh, that's really bad news for Dominic Smith's long-term future, and he would probably have to go back to AAA, and maybe ultimately the Mets would have to trade him in, in, in some sort of separate deal. Uh, you know, Carlos Santana represents sort of the top of the market, that first base market. I guess you could put Eric Hosmer there as well. Um, you know, he would require a lot in terms of years and in terms of dollars, and uh, the Mets might be willing to at least have those conversations, but given their needs, uh, you know, in the infields, in the bullpen, certainly, maybe even in the rotation, although they've backed off that a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure they'll totally go all out for a first baseman because they do have some depth there. They have Smith. They have Wilmer Flores. Eventually, they'll have T.J. Rivera coming back from Tommy John surgery. So I think they might ultimately, you know, look at that next tier of guys who could help. Uh, you know, I would put Jay Bruce in that tier. I would put, like, a Logan Morrison in that tier, guys of that nature. Um, but it is an intriguing option to look at a guy like Carlos Santana and say, hey, we plug that in the middle of our lineup. All of a sudden, it gets a lot more dangerous. Yes, absolutely. All right, let's move on to middle infield. Mets are most likely to add a second baseman this winter and potentially start as Drupal Cabrera at third. Who will they look to add to bolster that middle infield? Yeah, it's a good question because they're not necessarily married to that. Now, as Drupal Cabrera is going to start somewhere. Uh, it'll probably be third base and they'll acquire a second baseman, uh, but it could ultimately be second base and they'll acquire a third baseman. It really depends on how the market shapes up. Um, now, assuming it's as Drupal as third and the Mets acquire a second baseman, who could they acquire? Uh, you know, it's, it's not a, what I would call a super robust market. I think the trade market is definitely more interesting than the free agent market. Uh, you look at free agents, uh, not a lot catches your eye. Maybe Neil Walker, who obviously the Mets know a lot about, could come back. Then you look at the trade market, and you have a D. Gordon out there. You have potentially maybe a Brian Dozier out there, someone uh, of that nature. You're talking about some all-star caliber players who could be had this winter. And, you know, you asked about Stanton earlier. Why couldn't the Mets make a run at a guy like Giancarlo Stanton? Those are the same types of issues they're going to run into at second base, uh, despite the fact that the Marlins are, are, are reportedly talking about salary dumping D. Gordon, for example, uh, you still have to give something up to get a guy like that. And there are going to be a lot of teams out there, if, if Gordon is indeed available, who will want to make a play at them. And the Mets, you know, forget the dollars of, of the contract because there are always creative ways out of that. The Mets would have to make some sort of enticing package of prospects that, that doesn't include Ahmed Rosario because he's their shortstop and they need him at shortstop. Uh, it's just really difficult to, to do with what they have to do right now. So, uh, at the risk of giving you a similar answer to almost every question you're asking, mm -hmm. uh, they might have to look you know, a little bit cheaper, and that might be turning back to the less lucrative uh, free agent market and looking at a guy like 
like Neil Walker or maybe trying to convert someone like uh, uh, Eduardo Nunez who played a lot of third base to second base or shifting things around. Uh, there are different ways they can go with this. And, um, you know, at one of these places, yes, maybe they'll make a big splash, but they can't do it at all of them. This is the early offseason, right? A lot of questions, not too many answers. But exactly. as the offseason continues, we will get some of those answers. Let's talk a little bit about the pitching. Mets are reportedly open to locking up Jacob deGrom to a contract that would buy out his remaining arbitration years. They've previously been hesitant to give a starting pitcher a contract extension. Why would they do that with Jacob deGrom? And will they do that, do you believe? Yeah, you know, I think people have a misleading notion of what it means when they say they'd be willing to give Jacob deGrom a contract extension. Uh, that doesn't mean you're looking at, you know, just handing him a, an eight-year deal that'll take him until his late 30s. Uh, you know, realistically, you're looking at probably a deal that would buy out the rest of his arbitration years and maybe one of his free agent years. And at that point, he's already in his mid-30s. And that's a big reason why they've hesitated in the past is because you have a guy like Jacob deGrom who has struggled through injuries in the past in his career. And, and since he's become a big leaguer, he has been, to his credit, very healthy. Uh, but the Mets held his rights until he's 31 years old, just as is. Uh, they were waiting for him to hit arbitration. When he starts to get expensive, he's there now. He's starting to get expensive. So there's a little more incentive from a team perspective to say, okay, let's just guarantee what we're going to pay this guy over the next three years. And, uh, you know, maybe we add a little on top of that. And on top of that, even still, you say this is a guy who's really meant a lot to the team and to our fan base and to everything that has gone on here, making the World Series two years ago and so on and so forth. And uh, I'm not saying that colors their decisions. I'm not saying they're doing it just out of the goodness of their hearts, but certainly it plays into it that you want to reward a guy for what he's given you. You want to reward the fan base almost in a sense uh, for one of the most popular players, one of the most successful players of this generation of the Mets. Um, now, do they ultimately get something done? It depends on how lucrative they're willing to go. Uh, you know, Jacob deGrom uh, certainly may be more inclined to bet on himself and say, okay, I can, I can have another few good years here and then hit the open market and potentially make a lot more money than I would make off a deal like this. Uh, because ultimately you talk about a contract extension that buys that arbitration years, maybe one free agent season, like I said. Uh, he's not going to make a ton more money off that than he would just going through the system. All it does is guarantee it. Um, something to think about, certainly. Uh, DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard are probably the only two candidates on this team that would make sense right now for the Mets to talk about it as far as pitchers go. Um, and ultimately, I, I'm, I'm skeptical that it happens, uh, but it is definitely something that has come up from time to time over the last three or four years and something we will continue hearing as long as uh, these guys are, are pitching well. All right. Speaking of pitching, the Mets' new skipper, Mickey Calloway, has a pitching background, pitching coach for five seasons under Terry Francona there in Cleveland. What's the buzz around the team's new manager? Yeah, he's, as you said, he's a, he's a pitching guy. And I think, um, you know, he, he's already kind of tried to say the right things to distance himself from that in saying, you know, I'm not just about the pitching here. I'm about the whole team. I'm about leadership. I'm about what we're going to instill in these guys in terms of getting the most out of them. And all that sort of speak you hear from new managers across baseball every time this comes up. Um, you know, Mickey Calloway has hired his own pitching coach and Dave Island. The two of them know each other and get along well, and that hiring will be official soon. Um, uh, obviously, new names across the staff, uh, hitting coach, first base coach, you go up and down. Uh, they've brought in a bunch of guys. Um, and 
to date, Mickey Calloway has said all the right things and done all the right things. And, and, and we'll see, you know, because at the end of the day, uh, people do get excited about this stuff. And at the end of the day, it comes down to the players. And uh, the best manager on earth, it can only do so much. If, if you only have so much talent or you only have so much health uh, or you only have so much ability. And as for the Mets, uh, you know, health has been the biggest factor. If Mickey Calloway were here last year when everyone got hurt, uh, he wouldn't have been able to change that. So I think everyone realizes that, and I think, I'm not saying he can't play a role in, in instilling some new practices. I think a lot of that starts with the front office, and they're already looking at uh, new members of the training staff, new ways of going about things. But Mickey Calloway is certainly uh, a, a breath of fresh air in terms of his personality, in terms of his energy and what he can bring. I think it's going to be exciting for a lot of people to see him come in in spring training and, and really get going. Um, and yeah, but it does circle back to that to answer your original question. He is a pitching guy. And for this Mets team, the notion is still that this is a team built around pitching. And if they're going to win next year, uh, it's going to be because their starting rotation is healthy and effective. And they're not going to win if that's not the case. So to bring in a guy like Mickey Calloway, who could potentially turn things around with that rotation, I think is an exciting place for the Mets to be. All right, Tacoma, let's finish with this. You mentioned some of the new things that they are doing. I know they're replacing Ray Ramirez and adding some new pieces to that training staff to make sure this team does stay healthy. What's the latest there? Who have they added or what positions have they created? Well, they haven't added anyone yet. Uh, ultimately, what they're looking to do is, yes, add a new trainer. But uh, beyond that, they're looking at adding what they're terming something along the lines of a high-performance uh guru, I guess would be the best word. He would be an overseer. He would be a supervisor of not only the new head trainer, but um, you know, also of what's going on at the Barwith facility where these guys do their strength and conditioning and spring training and, and some of them during the offseason. Uh, what are these guys doing over the course of the season to be rested, to eat healthy, to sleep better? Uh, how are these guys warming up for games? How are they strength training during this season? Are they strength training during this season? How are they doing their conditioning during this season? How are they doing their flexibility? Uh, as far as guys who are hurt, what, what is the physical therapy process? How is that? So it's going to be someone who oversees all of those areas and has it uh, all coming under one umbrella, whereas in the past, you know, maybe the trainer would have been on the hook for more than, you know, a, a traditional trainer's job. And I think it, it's just an acknowledgement. You're seeing it around other sports um, and talking about it. Yesterday, John Rico, the assistant general manager, talked about how it's become very, very prevalent in professional soccer. Um, you've seen other pro baseball teams doing it. I think it's just an acknowledgement that for elite athletes in the year 2017 and the year 2018, a lot more goes into preparing your body than 20, 30 years ago. Um, certainly more than went into it uh, you know, 40, 50 years ago. It's just become a full-time job for these guys, for nutrition and rest and strength training and conditioning and all of that stuff. And it's an acknowledgement that there, there's a lot that goes into it and that, frankly, the Mets haven't uh, been very good at it in recent years. They have not been very good at injury prevention. They have not been very good at recovery from injuries, any of that stuff. So they want to get better, and this is the way they feel they can do it, by adding staff and by adding expertise. And we'll see if it works because, as I said you know, just a couple of minutes ago, for this team, it is about health. Specifically, it's about health of the pitching. And if they can be healthy, uh, they have as much talent as a lot of teams out there. Absolutely. All right, Tacoma's team keeping you busy. That's good. We like to see that. Thank you so much for joining us here on MLB.com Extras. We'll talk soon. You got it.